Hi, this is Brett from 6-Minute Warning, and you're listening to Akaville Radio, streaming 24 hours a day at akaville.org. Welcome to Episode 8 of Polyphony. I am Rachel, and this week we are talking about promotion in the new world. We have with us today the base of the trills, Leroy Heisen, and we have founder of Pipeline Vocal Project, Lisa Hawkins. Here is your host, Aaron. Thanks, Rachel. I appreciate that. I, I'd love to start before we dive into the sort of the act of promotion to talk about kind of who you are as a group and what you're about, because it seems like knowing your group's brand is sort of a key prerequisite to being able to promote your brand. So, Leroy, why don't we start with you? What is the brand of the trills? What are you about? <laughs> the brand of the trills. I think a lot of what, what we focus on, a lot of what we're about is the idea of a musical family and just doing life together, doing the music together, but also just experiencing life together and, and having our viewers see that and having them be a part of who we are as a family, but also as a musical group. I feel like that's the biggest part of our brand is high energy, lots of just like chaotic funness. But yeah, that's a big part, part of our brand and just liking to remix things also and just to change things up when we can. Is that something that evolved or did you land on that pretty early and stick with it? Or how kind of how did that come together? Well, that we've always been a kind of a, just a wild bunch. Like we started our, well, half of our freshman years of college and we didn't know each other when we even first got to college. I met the beatboxer Aaron at an open mic night the first weekend. My roommates met a Catherine and a former member of ours at Target randomly that same weekend. Then just that week, we were like, oh, that person sings. Oh, that person sings. Oh, that person's cute. Let's all meet up. And that's just how, how the how the trails started. At first was the Towson trails, but it just started at that as it's just like gathering in a dorm room type of style. And then we did the talent show and then we did ICCAs and then we actually found like success in the ICCAs. And we're like, okay, we actually can make music together and see where this can take us. And so once we graduated, we changed what we did a little bit, but it didn't change the heart of who we were as a group. And, and it sounds like it didn't necessarily change the core of the image you were putting out as what the group is about. Is that true? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Gotcha. Lisa, how about for Pipeline? What do you feel like is the kind of the log line for Pipeline? What are you about? Yeah. And I think, you know, that's evolved for us a little bit too. And it also kind of depends on where we're promoting ourselves. Like our okay. core mission is to spread awareness of contemporary acapella music here in Alaska and kind of cultivate that culture up here. That was you know, my mission when I started this group. But I think kind of we've evolved beyond that to extend outside of Alaska. And I would say our live persona marketing or image brand is different than our social media. Oh, that's presence. interesting. And that was kind of just by happenstance of what took off for us around this time last year when we had a video go viral WAP and we're like, all right, I guess we're kind of running with, with this idea. <laughs> so I do think, you know, slightly we target our our target audience on social media is a little bit different than our live product. But at the core of who we are, cultivating that acapella culture and spreading the joy of vocal music is still very much, you know, applying for both, I think. And you, you mentioned that evolved a little bit as the group has evolved too and i wonder how you, was that something that you talk about as a group or is that something that kind of was an organic evolution as the group evolved or kind of how did that change happen for you it was kind of organic it was kind of just how the audience was receiving us and us responding to what the audience liked 
and it still felt authentic it didn't feel like we were becoming something else but i think we were definitely listening more than we were speaking that's great Uh, and seems to have worked well for you so that that seems like a good strategy given that we're kind of in these covid times the covid hangover times i guess let's start by talking about digital because both of you talked a little bit about that as a kind of a key piece of what you're doing and let's start with you on this with the trails what do you feel like are the key digital outlets where you're getting traction what are, what are the platforms that are working really well for the group right now for sure tiktok i think a lot of just social media people will say that tiktok is just blowing up and it, it's you want to say that it's not still growing but it is still growing and, and it's actually growing at a higher demographic now a lot of older people are, are on it now so it's just it's continuing to just skyrocket so tiktok's definitely been a huge part of our growth you know our, our instagram is getting up there it's still really really huge for us and we're super super blessed to have it but like tiktok just the people on tiktok are just big <laughs> it's a huge impact from that end how did the leveraging of that platform sort of evolve for the trails? Because, you know, TikTok is relatively new on the scene. I mean, it's not super new now, but it's, it is new compared to the other people that it's competing mm-hmm. with in that space. How did you guys figure out what you wanted to do on it and that it was a place to be? Just like how our group started, it all happened by accident. It's just <laughs> it's just kind of our vibe, just accidental greatness. So I think it was like 2019 and it was just starting to, we started to hear COVID starting to come to the U.S. and get pretty serious. And we were just thinking of, okay, what can we do just in case live performances start to end? We we're like, what, what can we start to do? And just because we can't gig around because most of us graduated college in 2019. So we're like, okay, we want to keep this group going. We want to become a professional group and not just a college group anymore. What can we still do if we can't now perform live? Like we have to do something. So and it was actually one day, like I think we posted a few TikToks like at a, at a studio just for fun. And then our soprano, Catherine, she was like, hey, uh, I think we should start like doing more TikToks. Cause I'm seeing more people get on there and why not? Let's just get on TikTok and start trying it out. So one day we're at rehearsal and there was a trend that was going around. It was like the flea fly flow trend it was just someone would say flee the other group would say fly or you know i forget i forget how it goes she went to the bathroom and she's had some type of intro that now is like all of our videos intros but it's just what she did the first time she's like all right i'm gonna have my group sing something random so she came into the room that we were just all hanging out and she did the flea fly flow thing and we sang it and then that video got like millions of views and we're like okay I guess we should try it out. And just like Lisa said, sometimes it might not be your personal preference and style or like what you'd like to do live, but we just became that on the fly group. So that group that was just doing stuff on the fly. Someone would run in and start singing something and we join in and just jump in. And that became a huge part of what we did. So we kept trying different formulas, different things. And it's just grown from there, just from keeping consistent. What are you finding are the keys to a successful TikTok video? I mean, what, what are the markers that are successful? A lot of people will say different things, but I think the most consistent things are attention grabbers, things that things that catch you from the very beginning. TikTok likes to hear what they've heard before in a weird way. The whole aspect of TikTok is that you hear a sound that you've heard in other videos and you want to hear how they use that same sound in other ways. And so what we like to do is we take trends that are already happening and we make them our own. So we do, we do, we cover a lot of trending songs, but yeah, and authenticity too, not being too polished, not being too perfect. That's a big thing for TikTok. Cause the whole great thing about TikTok is the whole idea is that anybody can go viral or anybody can make a video and, and become a TikTok influencer. So if that's the case, then you can't make the standard that you have a very fancy camera and great lighting and a backdrop behind you. Now that that'll take you over the next edge, but you can still do well if you're just in the kitchen singing while sitting on the stove. 
like that can still go as viral as if Justin Bieber put out a video, if not more, because people don't really care about what they've already seen from celebrities. They want to see random Joe that just released a video of him singing to his cat. So we, you know, I think that's, that's a big part of succeeding on TikTok is being super authentic, being very uh, raw with your videos. I think that that's at least for us, what we've seen with our success. And length? Short, shorter, the better. But also that the music, shorter, the better. And also the more attention grabbers throughout the thing or the most, the more anticipation that you can have um, in a video, the better. It's honestly, we're still figuring out because also TikTok's changing how they're doing things too. So I think everyone that's on TikTok right now is they'll have a moment where like, we have it. We're going to be good. We know exactly what we're going to do. We're going to stick to this exact formula for the rest of our lives. And two months later, they're like, what happened to our views? Well, I don't know what happened. We're doing the same thing. (laughs) And so it's, it's all just experimenting, being flexible. That's a big part of also doing well on TikToks, being flexible and, and trying new things. Yeah. Lisa, how about for Pipeline? What are some of the key digital outlets that you're finding success with the group? I would also say say TikTok. Okay. Um, Instagram is, you know, consistent, but you don't see the huge growth that you can see in a TikTok video on Instagram. And I just, I think that's just how TikTok is designed with the For You page versus Instagram. You only see on your feed who you're following. And, you know, they do have reels now, which is similar to TikTok, of course, but not quite the same, at least for me, what I've experienced TikTok's definitely the one that can just be so random and have you skyrocket on a video you would not expect. That's interesting. Are you finding some sort of go-to strategies for what's successful for the group on TikTok? You know, kind of like Leroy said, like the shorter, the better with music stuff. There's some exceptions when it comes to kind of like funny, personable content versus musical content. And I'm also seeing that, like Leroy said, the algorithm seems to be shifting. So uh, there's a whole lot of like adapting that we're still trying to figure that out too. how we can optimize the product there. Also, I think something that is important on all platforms, but especially TikTok is consistency and quantity. I think TikTok is quantity over quality, which is something we artists don't like to hear. But I think it's very true for that platform. So how often are you each pumping stuff out on TikTok? So Lisa, let's start with you first. How, how often is the group putting things up, given that quantity is an issue? And you know, we haven't like quite dialed that in. And we are posting right now once a week. But I personally, um, just looking at you know analytics and, and stuff, I think the ideal posting speed is kind of like three times a week three to four times a week, which is not always true for Instagram or Facebook. There, I would say it's more quality over quantity. Well, you know, within reason, you don't want to post once a year. But yeah, I, I do think quantity is huge on TikTok and consistency. People want to see that they can depend on your content, you know, multiple times throughout the week uh, or else you kind of start to lose them, I think. That's interesting. Is that your experience, Leroy, as well? 100%. Yeah. And we've seen that in the good way and in the bad way of when we drop off. So like we're working on a big project now and sometimes we, we just don't have the time to create as much content as we might if we're not working on something big. But then we see the drop off when we when we post one video. It's just it's a huge cut from there because because also the algorithm loves to see that consistency. They know when to push out their vi- your videos. They know when to put it on the for you page or when not. So it's definitely consistency and not only the type of video that you do but also when you post just like we just said and how often we had a meeting with a tiktok rep actually recently and she was saying how really like they actually suggest like five times a week 
wow. posting. Now, like to do to do okay and like still be doing well, like three like three to four times is like what most people can do and and stay consistent because that's also hard to do that many times. But yeah. the really the really popular TikTokers, you'll find that they're posting three times a day. They're doing different versions that like you'll see them in the same outfits, but they're they're that's what they do. Right. They're influencers. They are posting three TikToks. They're doing a YouTube video. They're going out for brand deals. Like they're pushing out a lot. But you see the fruit of that. You see what's coming from that of posting three times a day. Not all of them might not have 10 million views, but because they're consistent and they're pumping out a lot, they might all get six million views. It's all beneficial at the end. That's so hard. And, and I would I would say unrealistic for a music group to, you know, pump out that much content a day or a week my gosh you know imagine that's a full-time job right there with a musical group there's so much more planning than just taking a video of your cat and you know saying a few words but yeah i do agree it's a huge huge factor and something i think a lot of music groups are, are struggling to keep up with on tiktok we try to do four or five a week we try to wow. do four or five a week but some, sometimes we're not consistent but when, when we are which I think we've gotten a lot better with that and staying consistent. We definitely see it pay off. But it's also not all music. We found that when you're building fans, they don't just care about your music. If they just cared about music, they just go listen to whatever songs they already like listening to. But they like meeting new people. They like learning new personalities and new lifestyles and cultures. And so when we're bringing them into our lives of us just doing a dance or us doing a little. And then the next video is a song or like a trend or a longer form song. That's when they get to really know us and our sound and just our personalities. When you think of it that way. We try to do like, okay, we'll do a dance this week or we'll do a dance this day. Then we'll do a random challenge this day and then we'll do a song this day. So that makes it a little bit easier to split it up. What's the broader goal of that promotion? What proportion of those people convert into being fans of the group and of the group's music and, you know, listening then to the music in other platforms? Or, I mean, is there a way to get a sense about what the return is for that? Or is that not the point? Maybe the point is just to kind of build those numbers on that platform. I will let you know when we figure that out. I think it's a little bit of both. I do think the loyalty is a little bit different on TikTok than it is on like Instagram from what I've recognized because TikTok isn't really a promotion platform the way that Facebook and Instagram can be. You can put, I don't want to say ads, but you know, promote like new music coming out or hey, tune into this episode of whatever. And you know, you can drive traffic that way. TikTok doesn't really allow for that or like those videos don't really, really do much for you. So I would say it's not really a promotional platform. That being said, when we did advertise our Valentine's Telegram situation there, we did see some numbers rise, but, you know, in ratio to followers, it was no comparison. But I think in today's world, it's all about the numbers, even if it's not necessarily like driving sales to your website or, you know, Spotify per se, but by saying you have, in case of the trails, however many million followers or however many, like hundreds of thousands of followers, that in it of itself is a resume builder and can get you in the door to venues, booking agents, management companies, other collaborative opportunities. You know, the opportunities there are endless, but it is kind of a numbers game now with, you know, musicians. And I think it's a big benefit to be able to say, you have people who are interested in your content because people don't want to take a risk like that. They want to know that you do have fans and that people dig your music or or your content, whatever it may be. Yeah. The great thing about where we are right now, when they see the trails have 3.5 million followers, they're like, they can get 3.5 million sales. Now, like our goal is to get close to that. And, you know, we, we try to make our brand videos, you know, as 
consistent with what we usually create so that we can get as many views for that company as we can. And I was just, I was just talking to somebody about this. Those followers, maybe I wouldn't even be able to give you a percentage because I have no idea. I don't think anybody knows really, but how many of those followers actually know what your username, what your name is? Because when you're on TikTok, you're scrolling through, you click that, you're like, oh, that's a cute video. I like that video. I'm gonna hit that plus. I might want to see them again, but I'm not actually going to their page to see who they are, like look at each individual member, which is okay. That's not what TikTok's for, but it's about that transferring them onto Instagram, which is where, like Lisa said, that quality content comes out where they're seeing pictures of us. They're seeing stories and longer videos of us and our YouTube. For a while, we used our lives for that. Like on TikTok, we would go live on TikTok and then say, all right, catch us on Instagram. We're going to go to our Instagram live now. So you come so you can hear some more content or some more like big news on our Instagram. So then we get people to go to our Instagram to then follow us there and see more stuff. So that's that was a, a way that we turned those followers into more fans rather than just, you know, the plus sign on TikTok. Yeah. Do you find that the audiences that you have on some of the more legacy social media platforms like Facebook and Instagram are higher quality from an ROI perspective? I mean, are you seeing that you can drive more calls to action to those folks than on TikTok, for example? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. How about for you, Lisa? Is that because you talked about sort of focusing on quality on that on those platforms? Is that because of the audiences you're finding there? Yeah, and I think it's also how the platforms design. People will follow you not only because they saw it on their feed and thought it was cute or fun or whatever. They're actually going to your page and choosing to follow you. And I think that the we're seeing. I noticed that the audience on TikTok is a lot more, you can lose followers, you can gain followers, you know, really fast up and down. But Instagram is pretty consistent. It's a little bit of fluctuation here and there, but it's like in the single digits, not in the thousands that you'd see on TikTok. So I think your follower base is just more loyal. They're more interested in what you are about. So you can drive traffic to whatever it is you need. I think it, it is a better platform for that kind of thing. Sounds like a, a deeper kind of engagement with you as an yeah. artist. Right, right. And people will share your stuff. That's another thing. You People can share on Instagram and Facebook on their stories, right? Whereas TikTok doesn't really have that feature too. Yeah. Well, we know that our listeners are very loyal and we are hoping that you will stick with us through this commercial break. We'll take a short break and we'll be back. And on the other side, we'll be talking about things like other forms of digital engagement, things like email, websites, and talking about things like advertising and streaming services. So stick with us. We'll be back with more from Leroy and Lisa. Boom. We at Akaville Radio are a social bunch. We like to perform and we like to be heard. If you want to hear from us, good news. We tweet, we Facebook, we Insta, all at Akaville Radio. Follow us and be kept up to date on all the latest in what we're playing, Aka News, and the groups we're interviewing. Or let us know what you're up to. We love hearing from you. We know you've got things to say. Don't be shy. Reach out and touch someone, namely Akaville Radio, on all major platforms at Akaville Radio. And we're back talking about promotion in the new world with Leroy Heisen, the base of the trails, and Lisa Hawkins, founder of Pipeline Vocal Project. And here again is Aaron. Thanks, Rachel. Before the break, we talked about sort of the top of mind social channels, predominantly TikTok, but also Facebook and Instagram as well. Is there room in all of this for old school digital media for things like Gasp, a website or a, an email list of people who want to get more information from you? Or is it all new school stuff? Or is there... Accommodation for a Luddite or two. Lisa, let's start with you. How's Pipeline 
work with old old digital media? I think it's good to have all of them. I mean, if you're a music group without a website, it's it's really hard to take the professionalism seriously. And it's in a way an official thing, right? You have your own website. As far as email lists go, I think, you know, there's definitely still value in that. I think as time goes on and our generation is changing, we're moving a little bit away from that. We do still find value in it. We do still promote some announcements and news that way. Our email list is primarily local, though, unless they go to our website and, you know, sign up there. And we do see some traffic there, but I would say it's minimal in comparison to the exposure that you get via social media because there the bounds are endless. What are the kinds of things, given that landscape, that pipeline puts on a website versus what's on other platforms what is it important given the kind of legitimacy that a website provides to you are there kind of key boxes you want to check on what's on that site yeah i think so i think it's really important to have some videos on there that people can watch your upcoming events concerts if you know covid permitting and i think a website is a great place to have your press kit right so if you ever want to submit to oh gosh anything a festival a booking agent a a certain gig that you want to play you got to have a press kit and your website is the ideal place to host that and that means having photos your music available videos it's a resume for musicians having your your awards accolades testimonials that kind of thing and all in like one page like a written resume you want everything on one concise piece of paper you don't want them to keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling right so and i think that's true also just for outside of a press kit your homepage. And people are getting away from having everything available on one page, but rather having one homepage where it kind of takes you to where you want to go versus having to scroll and find it. Yeah. How about for the trails, Leroy? Anything for old digital there? Any love there? Yeah. I mean, I'd say the exact same thing. We played around with email notifications and email lists. We strayed away from that because we just found that our fan base wasn't really looking for that, but we might go back to that because of live performances starting to trickle back in we found that like the email list was more for like hey we'll be here at this date come join us rather than hey we just dropped another video or else they'd get an email you know every day every few days so we actually went to was more of actually i guess more of a new age digital thing it's actually in the video game community but there's something called discord we use discord for our fan base to update people and we even have some older older discorders too at first we had it open for the the public and we actually made it attached to our so i guess it's kind of an older digital marketing tool but we use we use patreon attached to our discord so that you know people could pay to have just direct access to us and we're just we're just talking all the time to them we're doing video chats all the time that they're behind the scenes videos through that sometimes we're just turning on our video chat while we're filming something or recording something so people get access to that so that's on there so that's another way that we do digital marketing that's not exactly social media in a sense but we do we do use our website just like we just said that's more of our professional platform for brands to go to for other just industry connections to go to to see what we're doing what press we might have who we are as an individual like member there's a little bit of write-up of each 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 member you're not exactly going to have that on instagram in our bio but you can go to our website and find out about us there yeah discord is a an outlet that is like all of these i suppose to one degree or another it's a hungry medium right it it requires time and the more time you can give it the more it wants more how do you figure out what the balance is in terms of how much accessibility you give to the group through the patreon discord and through the public one when you had it as well 
Well, it, that was a lot of back and forth and figuring out how to make that work. Honestly, so we have we have a couple of friends that also help us with with that back end stuff. They just volunteer to just have our back and just help us with some things that that we just sometimes can't do ourselves. Aaron and Will, the baritone in the group and the beatboxer, they do a lot of a lot of that end of stuff too with the Discord. Really, I know nothing about the back end of Discord, but they do a lot of that. When we had a general chat and we had it with the public, I can't even tell you how many people were in there. And it was just everyone that was on TikTok went straight to our Discord and it was great, but it was also very, very hard to manage. Very hard to also make sure that was staying clean, staying appropriate, you know, because it's open to the public. But I think where we are now, where we're going is, is a much better place of it being really for our Patreon members, just make sure that they have some exclusive exclusive access to us. And we, we try to give them as much access as possible. Do you feel like, do you get feedback that the Discord as a Patreon benefit is one that Patreon's patrons value? Yeah, I think so. I think everyone really enjoys because they also create like a little group themselves. So rather than just being an individual fan of the trills, now it's like, oh, I have a group of friends that I've met online through the Trills Discord. Like we had someone start dating in the Discord. Like there's, there, yeah, it's a nice, nice little community. We had a show at actually my church a few weeks ago and one of the Discord members drove like four hours to come see us. But she was like FaceTiming all of the other Discord people and was just like, I'm here with the Trills. Like we made it. It was cool. They, they've created like a nice, nice community. That's great. Lisa, are there other elements to the, the big picture of what you're doing around reaching out digitally? You know, Lira was talking about Patreon, for example, and Discord, some other kinds of services as well. Are there other pieces in addition to what we've talked about around TikTok, Facebook, and Insta, and the website, and those kinds of things that are key for you guys? No, I think those are the main. I haven't really experimented with Discord or Patreon as much. Hopefully, we'll get there someday. Yeah. But yeah, I think right now, our main platforms are the social media. How do you know mm-hmm. across the strategy what's working and what's not i mean how do you measure success across those there's sort of numbers of followers and kind of that level of engagement but then it seems like there's a deeper question of how does that convert into something that is a value outside the digital world lisa do you guys think about that or have a strategy for that or how do you kind of know how it's going Mm, that's a really good question. I think, like I said earlier, a lot of it is listening over speaking. It's like a business, right? If you're a storefront specializing in jeans and you're really, really known for your jeans, you're not going to suddenly start selling sweaters, right? Kind of like listening to your audience and what they want. And as far as like, how do you know it's working? I think kind of like Leroy said earlier, it's really all about adapting and sticking to what is working, throwing away the things that don't. And as far as what it does for us, I think it's opportunity. How At least that's how I look at it. And the more followers we're able to have and to reach, that's a huge exposure component where you're seeing your music reach a, an audience number that you have never been able to before. And that opens you up for opportunities and makes you more desirable to the people who can actually hire you for your, your live content. For sure. Leora, how about for you? Same question. How, you know, you've got your fingers in all these different pies of social channels and things like that. How do you know how much time to spend with each one and whether it's working or not? I'd have to really just echo Lisa. Listening to the people is so important and also showing that you're listening like having them know that you care about like what they care about and what they know. And also when I was mentioning earlier, you know, having people get to know you as a person too, that also benefits you in a way where whatever you do, 
people will like it if they've become fans of who you are as a not just the music you make but also just just who you are because then if we want to switch things up a little bit it might dip down a little bit as far as the overall reach but those who have been following you for a while those who just like love you they're like oh they're great i know them like i i know who they are and so you know whatever they're putting out i support it as far as like when we know something works we're still navigating that like what's the most important thing to us without being able to do so many live shows i think when it's live shows you can see it on people's faces you can you can hear the reactions you can feel the the vibe in the room that's what we love just like performing live like it's just as performers you know what that feels like of having other people there and seeing there <laughs> when you have a certain part and they go Ooh, and like you might not hear them, but you see that look and you're like, that works. And I'm going to keep on doing that. We don't see the, the ooh anymore. <laughs> you right. just see the right. you see the likes and you see the couple comments of saying first a comment, fifth the comment, you know, but what we find that works is, is just engaging with them as much as possible. And when we get to have these conversations with people who are follow us, that's when we get to know what's working. Sometimes it's not the numbers, but Sometimes the stuff that really matters to us and we might find that it really matters to a small group of our followers, but those small groups are ride or die. They will buy every piece of merch that you have. So yeah, it's a juggling game. It's figuring out what. Yeah. And I really like what you said about showing them that you're listening. That's like a component we haven't really talked about yet that like TikTok allows you to do. TikTok allows you to respond to a comment. And I think that is a huge component that TikTok has that really shows your followers or they don't even have to be followers. They could just come across your content that shows the viewer that you value what people are saying. So, you know, for example, I know you the trolls have done this. I know we have done this to respond to like a song suggestion. Someone suggests a song in our comments and respond to it singing that song. That I think that as a viewer myself, I always like, oh, well, maybe if I comment, they'll do it, you know, my song, right? So then it encourages more engagement, which Instagram and Facebook doesn't necessarily allow. And so I love that about TikTok that you can really engage. And I also like that in the comment section, it tells the viewer when the creator responds to a comment. So mm-hmm. you can see how much they are also engaging with their followers and how much they feel like they value their followers and their comments. Are there some types of comments that are wiser to respond to than others? Oh, for sure. Oh my goodness. We had, I wouldn't go so far to say that this was wise, but we responded to a comment that said, you know, our our group, the three of us, out of the three, the two of us are Asian. And so there was a comment that said too many Asians in the video. And we were like, oh, no, no. <laughs> Let's respond to that. And so we responded in song in our way. And I would not say that that's the norm, but that was like a strategic choice that we made to respond to that comment. And I wouldn't say we would do that for any hate comment, of course. But I think both ends of the spectrum are important depending on what your brand is, what you stand for. So yeah, I think there is a huge value in choosing what you respond to. Yeah, for sure. Sure. That video is brilliant. It's so good. <laughs> it's you. brilliant. Because what you're saying to that person is, huh, thank you for feeding another video that we can make with these too many Asians, you know? Right, thank you for giving right. me more content to make. Like, ah, uh, I'm so, yeah, personally, so good. Personally... I love hate comments. It gives me a lot of like material to work with. Mm. And also, you know, like you can't hate on that because 
they're engaging with your content. They may (laughs) be like, it might not be like positive and heart emojis, but I think the opposite of love is not hate. It's indifferent. If they don't care about your video, that's worse than them really hating on it Mm -hmm. and responding. They they felt so strongly that they wanted to respond. I personally, I take that as a win. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. We just did a a Kiss FM interview and they asked me, they're asking like, like, how do you take the comments? And I'm like, I love them. Like we get so many Walmart pentatonics comments. Like so many, it's like, you guys are the Walmart pentatonics. And my reaction to that is like, the fact that you're comparing and that you feel the pressure to comment it to, I want you to know that you're not as good as pentatonics. Like, all right, you're comparing us. We're in the conversation. (laughs) We'll take that win. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, what have you learned about that? side of the engagement, Leroy, in terms of, I mean, you talk about the variety of comments coming in. I have to imagine that you also are judicious about which ones you choose to engage with, though. Yeah, I mentioned Will earlier. Will does a really good job at engaging with the comments. He also takes a very humorous approach with a lot of the comments. <laughs> um, he, he's just a hilarious guy. He's a quiet guy, but as soon as you get into a conversation with him, he's the funniest man you'll ever know. So when he's <laughs> when he's on the trails account and he's just responding to these comments, it's just it's good and it's all lighthearted and very loving the way that he responds to things. And if it's a comment that's not worth engaging with with words, he still gives that little heart to the comment so we're still engaging with most comments we try we try to do as much as possible because one that also helps the algorithm but also people see liked by creator responded by creator just like lisa was saying earlier like tiktok does a very good job at making the creator very human and very real to the viewer so as much as you can engage the better if you can handle the hate if you can understand that no one who actually matters as far as giving those hate comments like they're not any record label executive that's saying you guys suck it's some eight-year-old in his bedroom so it's you can take it with the light heart saying it doesn't matter i know what my worth is as far as in the content that i'm creating and so if you can know that engage as much as possible yeah what about you know some of these services facebook and instagram most notably but some others as well also offer paid opportunities to engage right advertising things like that driving people in a less organic method and i wonder if either of you have have thought about doing that have done any of that what your experiences may have been around that for the group and they were i guess i'll start with you have the trills looked into any of that side of it like the paid boosting on on tiktok Paid boosting talk or paid, you know, Facebook ads, Insta ads, that kind of stuff. Any of those things to drive towards specific you know, either merch or tours or recordings or whatever. Yeah, for sure. We spent a lot of time last year with Facebook ads. Well, we did it. We did a lot of learning, learning that and figuring out how to optimize that to what we were doing. Now we've stopped that recently just because we didn't have much that we wanted to promote Facebook ads wise like TikTok was growing in itself and there was no really point in and growing in that way we probably will start to do more Facebook ads and um, Instagram ads for more promotional things like we said earlier TikTok's not really for promotion so we probably won't do anything boosting wise promotion on TikTok if the algorithm takes it it takes it if it doesn't it doesn't and it's just the way that TikTok is but Instagram and Facebook is much more people do that swipe up to go to the website or they do that swipe up to get those tickets or to get that merch so yeah, we probably will will do some more with that coming up. What are the kind of things that you found 
success with in terms of what you were promoting through the ads on those platforms? And you know, you talked about kind of learning through trial and error on that. What were some of the learnings that you had about targeting and success and kind of how did that, what works or what has worked for you? I think that targeting is super important. It's also about levels. When you're doing Facebook ads, it's you get a broad amount of people with one video and then you get more specific with the next video and maybe even refer to that last video. And then you target even more specifically with that third video where you start and get those like real fans of like, well, you've been watching these past two videos and you've watched the entire video, meaning you're interested. And so now I'm going to hit you with, you know, something that's super important to us so that we know that you're actually engaging with what we're saying this third video. I think targeting, targeting and being strategic with the videos that you post to a certain target was big for us. And were you using that to drive towards merch, towards ticket sales, towards, I mean, what were the things that you found were successful in terms of calls to action with that? At first, it was actually just to get to, for people to come and follow us on Facebook. We wanted to grow our Facebook audience. So at first it was really just like, hey, we are the trails. Here's a video that we think everyone will like. And then it was like, here's something to get to know us as a group. Here's something a little bit more niche, something's more trail-like. And then from there, we got a lot more a lot more narrow. But it really was just to have people introduced to us as we were just starting as a professional group rather than the Towson Trails, the college group. Yeah. Lisa, how about for Pipeline? Have you guys looked at any of the, the ad-focused stuff on these services? We did a little bit of experimenting with Facebook ads. Similar thing, you know, targeting your audience. We've only really done two kinds, trying to boost boost a video. We did that for for what when we didn't know but we had hoped we had an idea that this one would do well and thought if nothing else this this video is a great opportunity for us to increase our fan base on Facebook. So we did that and that was successful. And the other one that we tried to do is promoting our telegrams like whether it be, you know, Mother's Day, Valentine's Day. And we had a, a couple targeted ads of those. And I think with ads of actually trying to sell some Something, I still feel like we're trying to narrow it down or just kind of get the hang of it. It's a very complex machine. There are a bunch of books out there on it even. So uh, I don't feel like I've really like honed my skills on that, but it is beneficial. I do think when you do get it down, I've seen people really use that to their benefit. Yeah. People usually don't, usually don't buy from someone that they don't know. Usually you want them to get to know who you are first and for them to become fans of you. And then you say, hey, by the way, thank you for your support and for following. Now, a month later, we might say, hey, we have this album coming out or hey, there's this new merch coming out. Now that you've already been one of our people now, now here's more of what we do, ways that you can support us. So that's what the ads I feel like are best for to just spread your name around and get people to know who you are. And then if they already follow you, if they know you, then you know, you can add some more things. Yeah. Well, we need to take another break and sorry to interrupt this really exciting and interesting conversation. But on the other side, we'll be talking about things like the physical world, touring and merchandise and what's the role of that for the future. So stick with us. We'll be back in just a little bit. Have you seen what's new at Acapella Masterclass? Learn choreo from Taylor Swift's choreographer. Learn scat singing from literally the guy who wrote the book. Songwriting from a collaborator with Grammy and Emmy winners. Each class is online at your own pace and lets you hear right from the source about how these masters do what they do. Educators can get discounts for using Masterclass in the classroom, and an all-you-can-learn subscription is available too. Soak up the knowledge at acapellamasterclass.com. And we are wrapping up our conversation with Lisa Hawkins, founder of Pipeline Vocal Project and Leroy Heisen, base of the trails, in our episode regarding promotion in the new world. 
here again is your host, Aaron. I wonder, you know, we've talked a lot about digital things. And as Rachel teased at the end of the last segment, I wonder if we could talk about the items and places and people in the physical world for a little bit. What is the role, if any, for touring and in-person appearances in terms of promoting the group right now? Is there one? And what does that look like? Leroy, why don't we start with you on this one? It's starting to open up with numbers going down and, you know, vaccine rates going up. I think a lot more people are more open to live performances. A lot of people are touring now. And so we, we have some opportunities for opening up for, we actually, there's a really, really successful acapella group that we will be, op- or hopefully opening up for. I can't really announce who yet or when, but it's very exciting for us. We're huge fans of this group, but that, and we're, we're seeing the national anthem at a Ravens game, the Baltimore Ravens game in December. So we're getting some more live opportunities and we're working on other ones coming up too. There's some, there's some that have been asked of us recently, but it's also about, you know, picking and choosing and making sure that we're being safe, but also that, you know, it's, it's worth the travel or worth it worth the time. When you have the in-person engagements, whether they're part of a tour or kind of these one-off performances in person, how do you leverage those to continue promoting the group more broadly? You know, how do you how do you get sort of sticky with the people who are there in person to see you? Because some of them may be, you know, friends of ticket holders, people who maybe didn't know you before they came in. Are there strategies around grabbing them and hanging on and, you know, bringing them into the community? We're experimenting with a lot. We've done a couple shows in the past few months, just like little ones. And we've we've experimented, like I said, when we first started to go professional. That's when COVID hit. And so we haven't had a whole lot of experience and we don't, you know, we don't want to fake like we are these super experienced live performers, but we do have experience with competitive performing. So we know what grabs attention. We know what makes people say after the, what was that group? We had to find out what their name was. So we did something that was different or special that caught their eye. Our first year competing in, I think 2017 was our first year competing at CCAs. After we did it, one, we went in thinking that we were just going there to meet friends and just have fun singing because of was our first first time but then afterwards everyone was walking around was like who was that small group where did that small group go i want to find that small group and then they found out our name and then it was like okay the towson trails now we're going to go to their semifinals to find them because they were really interesting that first time so i think it's that idea of catching their attention and making them wonder of like okay what's next from them because i'm intrigued now mm-hmm. i think that's the biggest thing for us lisa how about for you are things opening up at all for you or there is there a role for for pipeline in terms of in-person stuff right now you know it's kind of up and down here in alaska right now we we're noticing actually a surge and so we've had yeah. a few of our shows this fall be canceled which is really unfortunate because you know it's kind of like a tease right <laughs> exactly like, oh, look at all these shows you booked just kidding <laughs> but you know, funny enough, we are in 10 days going to California for like a little a little mini tour, just, you know, about a week where we're doing a couple shows, some workshops. Most of our existence has been through COVID. So our live opportunities have been limited. That being said, I think we've been very fortunate to be able to do, you know, some outdoor performances and make the best of the situation, yeah. I guess. And it's a weird world we live in right now, but, you know, really excited to kind of like spread our wings 
beings and get outside of Alaska and, you know, expand our reach, I guess. And promotion wise, kind of like Leroy said, you know, that's a whole different product, really, right? Than social media. It's a completely different thing. And so that's really like the, where the business management of it all comes in and where you can use your, your followings on social media as a leverage, a promotional factor in and of itself when you're trying to book a tour, get into venues that you want to play at. Like, hey, we have this many followers, this much engagement. Are you interested in booking us? You know, right. it is a card that you can pull. And as far as making that stick with your live audience, kind of like Leroy was saying, like, if your product is good, people want to see you. Because what's great about also being an opening act is no one expects anything of you. They expect the the people they bought the tickets for to be good. Like if you're there, there to see pentatonics, they are expecting pentatonics level quality but they don't know who the opener is but if they walk out of there being like yo pentatonics was good but the opener like who are they then that yeah. that's huge yeah and like a big promotional factor in it of itself if your product is good as you were putting that california week-long tour or weekish long tour together how did you kind of develop the connections to book those dates and to kind of promote those dates as you were lining it up you know it all kind of came together a little bit by accident and then as we started seeing the stars align we're like oh okay let's make this into a mini tour right and well we signed on with with a booking agency called the college agency and they specialize in the college circuit so we had a show booked in california on campus and then we had some internal connections with someone who was on the board for a different theater in the area who actually reached out and kind of those stars kind of fell in line just absolutely by coincidence the the available dates happen to be in the same week and then we're like okay let's make some like workshop opportunities out of this so what's great about being in close contact with or, or booking with a, a venue directly as opposed to going through an agency is you can kind of ask them about you know what are other venues in the area that you would suggest or, or do you have a youth group in your theater do you know of any high schools that might benefit from a workshop and we actually did we did that and booked a few workshops while we're there too so it was just this person recommended us here and then you know we ended up booking this thing and then it's just kind of like a, a snowball situation um, and I know there are more purposeful ways to do that but for this particular one it, it just kind of like happened to be the way it was I, I mean whatever works you know that's great right yeah oh, how's go it going you know go ahead well, I was just saying that that snowball effect is super exciting when you see those stars align. You, you recognize that some things are just out of your hand, like some things you can do yourself. You can put you put in the groundwork, but some things it's just like, all right, you got it, God. <laughs> like It's just going to happen. So we've seen that a lot with us, too. We actually went to L.A. or we went to L.A. in July and it was, you know, probably one of the greatest experiences we've ever had. In the beginning of the year, we planned on doing the trip anyways, just to like see what, what could happen um, to go. And then we ended up getting a getting a manager and having a management team since like in between that time and so they um, booked a couple things for us they were like hey like you know we want to book some connections for you guys so her name's Linnea with underscore talent and she has connections with some like actors and just tv people in LA and so she's on friends with Drew Scott from Property Brothers and so we we met up with him in LA and met, met up at his house and did, did some content with him and then from there his social media person was married to Tim McGraw's one of his social media people and so they happened to call us while we were out getting burgers like hey we love we loved your work with Drew. we love to have you do a collab, collab with Tim McGraw and we're like yeah okay we'll do whatever you want so yeah so like the, but that snowball effect and then from there other opportunities just flowed and then you know we just now have more connections in California and then now we're 
we were booked for VidCon. It was canceled this year. So Lisa, I know that struggle of books getting canceled and you're excited for them. But you know, that's the what everyone's experiencing in music with COVID. But yeah, that snowball effect is just a very humbling experience to see. Like sometimes you just don't have control on what's happening which could be a good thing because you might get it yourself get in your own way. So it's, it's kind of cool. It sounds like part of it is just being able to be open to those opportunities when they, when you encounter them. Yeah. What about how are you each resourcing all of this work? You know, we've talked about a lot of stuff over the last 45 minutes around, you know, managing social media, getting content out the door and all these channels, you know, putting together things like arranging tours and promoting tours and developing merch. And we haven't really even talked about merch a lot yet, but, and I want to get to that if we have time, but how within your groups are you devoting who does this stuff? And Leroy, let's start with you. How, how are the trills? Who does this for the trills? Is it all members of the group or is the management team helping out or how does that how does that go? So in the past, it was it was just us in the group putting in a lot of work of that business stuff. So actually, Aaron does a lot of our business. I mean, ever since we were even in college, he was our business manager like that. He was just the one who handles that. He was an econ major in college and he's just a genius with numbers. Um, he just the way that he thinks is on a whole other level than the rest of us members. And so he just <laughs> understands things in a different way. So he's able to keep us organized and keep things, you know, scheduled and, and working right now. Nick. Will and and Catherine have a very creative mind when it comes to content and creating videos. Will is our photographer and videographer and editor. He was a photography major in school. What was a music major in school? So I'm our music director. So I do a lot the mo the majority of their arrangements and and rehearsal and all that. It's been a lot of just the group using our own personal skills to just put in the work. And and we're we're very blessed to have the roster that we have. But then having a manager has helped that so much because then we're actually able to do the stuff that we love to do we still do a lot of the back end things because we like to have control on what we are putting out but to be able to have that support and also a new phone book like the connections yeah. that they have the relationships that they have is invaluable it's been fantastic and also just the support that they have for us and just being fans of what we do and just loving what we do it's very nice to have that team behind us to to push us out to the rest of the world it's been pretty cool for sure how about for pipeline how about for for the three of you lisa there are something like half as many of you as there are of the trails so i wonder how you manage that same load yeah well you know our origin story is a little bit different and by a little bit i mean a lot different than the <laughs> trills and i just kind of you know came back to alaska and wanted to create a group here to service a community like role model sort of way for hopefully then like the wave of contemporary acapella so you know i was recruiting and i knew that you know acapella wasn't really a thing up here still really isn't so i recruited two singers that didn't really have experience in acapella so at the beginning i was doing everything but now i do still function as the business manager but they've learned how to arrange and they've learned how to you know being in the group obviously now they have like a lot more creative power than they did and so they've stepped up in a really big way to contribute with you know social media like our Tuesday arrangements now they do they you know split it amongst the two of them and kind of have creative say in how we do our music stuff and how we want the visuals to look and I get to kind of just sit back and handle emails and businessy things which is actually I love that so that's kind of how our work is divvied up but as far as back-end things it's mostly me right now but having a booking agent definitely does help because like Leroy said we don't have a management company but the opportunity is a phone book definitely right expands and the people that you know 
reach out to that particular agent or whatever looking for what have you music group and if we happen to fit the bill then they're like oh we have this artist on our roster and those are opportunities we never would have gotten without those kinds of partners so do love that it so for you lisa if someone dropped a a bag of money at your door and perhaps an additional person to help resource it what would be the the, like the one or two things that you would want to do either more of or start doing for promoting the group that you aren't necessarily able to do right now that's a great question i think i would love to to have someone that is actually an expert in social media particularly like ads because you know in a way like i feel like we're flying by the seat of our pants we're just kind of feeling out what works and what doesn't and adapting as the best that we can but if we have someone who has those insights that we might not or have insights to the algorithms and what really boosts it and whatnot that would be great another person like i would love to add to our team is a stylist do not have the conversation anymore of what we're gonna wear i would just want it out of my hands and someone to dress me that's what i want <laughs> but... uh, right, i relate to that on a spiritual level oh man. <laughs> right? it's so really good. hard yeah those, ne- those conversations never go well either at least not in my experience they're always hard for sure Leroy, how about for you that that beeping sound you hear is the brinks truck backing up outside your house so you know we got a little chunk of money and perhaps an additional resource to help execute it what do you do next as the trails from a promotional perspective ah man honestly my first reaction is if that truck is backing up and that's enough to pay some of our bills then that is giving us our time because that is what what i think is holding us back the most and that's that's time it's the time to put out more content the time to arrange more the time to rehearse more and have a better quality to to the product that we're putting out uh, because I mean, we all have our individual jobs we all have our full-time jobs that's you know takes up a lot of our time because life is real and as much as we want to go full-time with what we're doing we're not there yet and you know we're going to be there like there's no doubt in our mind that we will be there but if there's a truck that's lending us some money or not even lending <laughs> he's dropping money in our laps we will take it we'll say all right Let's all put in six months and just go ham and just just really put in put in as much time, as much work as we can and what we love and seeing what happens from there. As far as like if we had an extra resource, I'd say a space would be nice yeah. to be able to rent rent an office space or rent a studio consistently would be really nice. I have a good relationship with a studio here in Towson, so nice. that's been great. And I have obviously building my studio in my basement, but to be able to have a space that we could film more content, that's not just a house. Now our fans like our house that we film in, <laughs> so there's that too. But yeah, if, there, if it would be a resource, it would be a space to use. But it sounds like what I hear both of you saying is that it would be probably more of the same of kind of what you're doing, but either more of it or or better in some ways. Nothing kind of revolutionary from what you're doing right now. Is that fair? Yeah, I think just increasing efficiencies. You know, a, a lot of what money can do is, you know, streamline things. And so if we could use that to streamline things so we don't have to worry about the minutia things that that life requires and for us to really, like Leroy said, go all in on it and increase opportunities and efficiencies in all areas i think that's what at least that we need because i think a lot of music groups who are in a similar situation that we are it's not that they're doing anything wrong they just have so many balls in the air well i am so inspired and i 
just feel so grateful for this fantastic conversation about the ways that you all have, you know, taken the opportunities that have been given to you and trying to reach more people. So thank you so much to Lisa Hawkins, founder of Pipeline Vocal Project and Leroy Heisen, based from the Trills. And stay tuned next week when we will be talking about a really important topic, mental health, particularly in the acapella community. So thank you for joining us this week and we'll be back again next. We are Keyframe Voices, and you might know us from our acapella medley series, Evolution of Disney. You're listening to Acaville Radio, streaming 24 hours a day at acaville.org. Brains and spo-